0: So, because it's Miami, let's just do it the proper Miami way, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast. Introducing my co-host from Mumbai, India, now residing in Oslo. He is the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. He is an FIA accredited Formula One journalist. Ladies and gentlemen, Kunal Shah. Are we capturing the Miami vibe, Kunal? Are we doing it like the announcers, like they did in Kota in 2017?
1: And like the announcers will do this weekend. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I was trying to return the favor to you, but I realized that I will be so bad at it that maybe the Miami organizers should just host you, just hire you to do this. You are so incredibly
0: good at this. Ah, No, no, no. I don't think that's going to happen, Kunal, for one plain and simple reason the only people they allow on the grid here at the Miami Grand Prix, from what I've told, are absolutely dumb celebrities. And this year, that's exactly what I really want to watch for. Because we're going to get to see Martin Brundle versus another set of absolutely clueless and probably stoned celebrities. I'm just willing to wait to watch who does Martin Brundle encounter this time. Because I really am a big fan of what the guy does with celebrities. Do you know what DJ Khaled said on the grid last time for the Miami GP crowd? Do you remember?
1: I have no clue who that person is, but okay.
0: (laughs) He said, Miami, it's my hometown. It's a family vibe. Motorsport, center of the world. Everything is here. Good vibes. Yeah, I think he sums it up well. That's what the 2023 GP also feels like, doesn't it? (laughs)
1: You know, Martin Brundle was on break last weekend. I really wonder why. And I'm hoping he's there this weekend because we need all that sort of content. And ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) this is one of the many reasons to tune in to the 2023 Miami Grand Prix this weekend. In fact, if you're lucky or rather everybody's getting lucky, tickets are being sold at what, a 40% discount, Sommel? Yeah. And... Of course, they will never tell us why, given that there are three races that are happening in the United States of America. But Miami Grand Prix, which was a record sellout last year, is going through a 40% discount for tickets. I don't know if I would buy some, but either way, it's our duty to tell you if you are in Miami, if you're in the Americas, you're listening and we have a large audience there. Just go get your tickets.
0: Yeah, I think what? Let's do the math. Forty percent off of eight hundred and eighty dollars base ticket for a three day one. It's I know it's an amazing spectacle, Formula One. That's why we all tune in. But that sounds like much, even with a discount, doesn't it, Kunal? It's kind of crazy how ticket prices are going about, and that's such a major talking point, isn't it? We've seen fans from all over the world crib about it, but. I think let's get to the ticket prices later. You said also- the
1: math. The math is roughly five thirty dollars But either way, you, yes.
0: <laughs> that for a Grand Prix is costly. I think if someone's paying that much, at least they deserve two qualifiers in two races. What do you reckon? So what are we going to crib about this weekend?
1: That's, let's get to that again. Are we going to crib <laughs> that we've gone back to the traditional three free practice sessions, one qualifying and one race format? Do you reckon that's going to happen, Samuel? Another crib fest saying, oh, my God, it's another street circuit. (laughs) Is this going to give Checo Perez uh, the upper hand again? Uh, Oh, my God. The marina actually has water this year. What's going to happen with F1 and their sustainability goals in 2030? Well, 2030 is seven years away. Let's fill it up with water this year, right? There was a fake marina. I am told that there is going to be a, a real water in the marina. So I remember there was a meme of a journalist jumping and falling on his bum. Maybe now we are just going to see journalists jumping in the water in their boxers or swimsuits and be like, yay, we got the water here this time.
0: It's amazing what a spectacle Miami is going to be. And uh, I think if they do have the full water, I really properly want to see someone like Charlotte Lewin to see him just go and have a dive over there. Because the poor guy again, Kunal, now that he's finally gotten some semblance of peace and quiet after getting two race finishes in one week and last week, this time out on his flight to Miami, he dropped his airpod in a crevice So, let's play the game once again. How will Charles Leclerc get his heart broken this weekend? Because I feel if he just ends up randomly winning the race, unlikely, but still, the one thing that could possibly happen is that he goes to the marina to celebrate and dive and then he finds out it's not real water. How how do you think he's going to break his heart this weekend?
1: It cannot get better than that. The storyline cannot absolutely (laughs) get better than that. Ironically, though... Just a few weeks ago, I believe there was incessant rainfall in Miami. The Grand Prix circuit was flooded, and I remember in 2022 last year, Sebastian Vettel actually wore a T-shirt which says, uh, "Which said Miami 2060, the first Grand Prix underwater." Right, mm. so you never know how water is probably a very touchy topic. I-, I would say when it comes to Miami and. You know, from the from the streets of Baku, we're now in the streets of Miami. Could it be the flooded streets of Miami? One doesn't know. I think the forecast does say there will be rain on Saturday yep. and rain on Sunday at least. Right now, so maybe you don't need to fill the marina after all. the the The, the gods are going to do their their thing. It's like man built a marina; God will send the water.
0: <laughs> oh my God! I'm preaching. <laughs> oh my God! <goodness. laughs> Well, that'll work well for the twenty thirty net zero carbon targets. The water comes from the heavens, and I think rain is genuinely forecast. And I I wonder how that'll completely change the balance of this weekend. And it's so interesting, right, Kanal? Because there are so many other variables to properly watch for as well. I mentioned earlier on the celebrities. Will we have Taylor Swift turn up to Miami to watch the race? Is that going to happen?
1: Would be incredible! Oh my goodness, I never thought of that. None of my banter points actually considered Taylor Swift attending the Miami Grand Prix. You know, we normally, as broadcasters, get a list of talent attending. They uh-huh. say the name. They say the name of the talent, what his or her you know achievement in life is, how many Instagram followers. I never get that metric. People chasing <laughs> Instagram followers, but either way, I would love to see who Taylor Swift is a guest of. Will it? Be a guest of Formula One, the local promoter, the Aston Martin Formula One team, or their star driver. One doesn't know, but my goodness.
0: Lance Stroll, you mean, right? Lance Stroll, of course.
1: Of course, I meant Lance Stroll. You never know. (laughs) It's like Fernando giving tips on the radio, you know, you never know.
0: (laughs) But actually, let's talk about that for a second, Kunal. Because on the list of things that I really want to watch for Miami... There's obviously celebrities. There's obviously silly celebrations like wearing an NFL helmet. Uh, NFL helmet, sorry. Ah, what's happened to my pronunciations today? See, they've gone for a toss. But an NFL helmet. There's also going to be a police uh, motorcade, cavalcade, motorcade, something. Cavalcade. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, topping all of that is the big daddy Fernando Alonso, who is turning into the statesman. That is something I really want to see from a sporting perspective. I I just wonder. Is he going to do something similar to what the old 1950s Formula 1 drivers used to do, which is if their car isn't quite, I mean, if their teammate's car stops, they would volunteer to get out of their car, give their car to their teammate and let them finish the race. Because the way things are going right now, Kunal, I think Fernando Alonso is just going to help undress Lance Stroll, help him put his race suit back on, serve him some food, maybe here comes the aeroplanes, that, that sort of treatment as well. What? Just what yeah, Fern- it-
1: Fernando said after Baku that he is preparing Lance to lead Aston Martin for the next 10, 15 or 15, 20 years, some number of like that. So you never know. There is preparations on radio. There's preparations off radio, etc. But uh, let's uh, let's get to the circuit. It's an interesting circuit. It's a half street circuit and a half regular circuit, Sommel. right? And uh, very similar to Baku.
0: Wait. So does that mean that Checo will be faster on half of the circuit and Max will be faster <laughs> on the other half? And are we alluding to that? Uh, well,
1: maybe you could. The, the the you know. Okay. So that's that's to do with the circuit. Everybody's saying how there's going to be turn fourteen to look out for. Drivers have spun out and crashed, and there's this 1.3 odd long kilometer, uh, you know, DRS straight. There are three DRS zones. Two of them which have been shortened by 75 meters. So yet another excuse for the drivers to say, hey, you know, the shortened DRS didn't allow us to make overtakes. And that's why there was probably (laughs) a a snooze fest. But, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, and, and maybe this is where I'm getting a little serious now because I love doing these talks about circuits. So. Sector 1 is all about you know these sweeping turns that you get uh the middle sectors like the tight and twisty sections and sector 3 is like this really long straight so effectively for the top 4 teams there is something in it for everybody. They they don't have the excuses, right? If your car is good on the straights, well, we have a long one. If your car's car is good in the so- tight sweeping sections, the faster sections, well, the sector one is there for you. If your car is good in the middle sector, which is you know tighter and twistier, well, sector two is there for you. So hopefully that eventually just leads to good racing, closer racing, because for once we saw a non Red Bull car on pole position, which I think was pretty good start for the season.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I think that also brings me back to last year on a serious note. Because the reason why Red Bull Racing won over there was that they had a balanced package that was able to manage tyre deg quite a fair bit better than Ferrari. And that's going to be a major talking point. Which is why there have been so many media reports saying that Red Bull Racing are not quietly, but very, very, very confident of their chances this weekend. And why shouldn't they be? And that brings me just on to the intra-team battle. Because we know for a fact that Ferrari are going to have a tricky time here in comparison to the others. We know that Mercedes, in comparison to Red Bull Racing, are definitely not on the marks. Could this be something where... Could this be a place where Aston Martin thrive? Because there have been reports saying that they are having a package that's very very conservative on their tyres in comparison to the Ferraris. I, there's no credibility to prove it. It's only drivers giving their accounts. That also is the source of information that people rely on. But if that genuinely is the case, Kanal. There could be a rather interesting fight for the best of the rest, in my mind.
1: And just to add to what you're saying, the the traditional three free practice sessions format allows teams to actually set up their car better. Mercedes, for example, alluded to you know one free practice session not helping them you know maximize setup, as did Carlos Sainz. So the three three practice sessions will allow teams to extract more from the upgrades that they brought you know, to Baku a couple of uh, days ago. So, that could be one of the potential reasons why we might see a swing in performance. Because in Baku, you had just that one practice session where you literally just couldn't do anything. But here, we will be go back to the three practice sessions. And you mentioned tire management, but you also want to mention something. Yes. So, uh, you know, okay. So, go, go, you mentioned tire management, Somil. And simply put about tire management uh, the track here is also resurfaced like baku wa- was for example and you know i think i'm told it's a newer darker tarmac the weather is going to be hot uh, and ambient and it's going to be pretty abrasive as well from the jet washing that sort of happens so it could lead to higher tire temperatures and could this be a snooze fest because Drivers are yet again just doing tire management, something that we've seen, we saw, you know, in Baku as well. And, uh, you know, if it rains, a resurfaced tarmac, the oils, could it make the tracks more slippery, something more, you know, we keep saying we're cribbing, everybody's cribbing. Uh, could Could the drivers be cribbing about that as well? And you know we mentioned the different sectors. One of the things that drivers cripped about last year were the slower corners, and they were like, "My God, these new cars are big and heavy, and they're actually slower." But the truth is, yes, it is more difficult to change direction in these cars. You know, once they are heavier uh, and bigger, but that's also where one can gain more time when it comes to the qualifying sessions. I don't know why I said sessions. But yeah, it says one session. I'm just used to now after Baku (laughs) saying sessions.
0: (laughs) No, but I I, I agree to that because qualifying here is... I think last year as well, it was quite the spectacle because the walls are not as close as they are in other street circuits. But the way the circuit flows in sector one and two, just to watch the drivers grappling with that and also the heat over here, Kunal, is going to be interesting because the tyres, they're built for this. Pirelli have designed them to manage that sort of situation. But... It's never an easy task. So. Making sure that your tires are in prime condition is so such a challenge that we're going to get to see. I like how you said Pirelli have made
1: tires for these conditions. That's what they say. That's right? what they say. My, my, my favorite way of explaining tires to people is Pirelli makes the tires, but the teams use them. The teams always know more about the tires than Pirelli do. Much like Formula One and FIA writes the rules for the cars, but they don't own a single car. The teams own them. So the teams always get the better of the rules, right? But... Uh, You mentioned tires. You mentioned the heat. Very interestingly, it's like Singapore kind of weather, hot and humid, uh, but it's in Miami. And just that it's during the day, not in the night, as we're used to seeing in Singapore, right? And another very important change this weekend, uh, the paddock, the team hospitality units are going to be moved to the pitch, you know, inside of the Hard Rock Stadium. So, that's going to be another spectacle to look out for, including, you know, the paddock uh, club building, which was uh, also expected to come up this year. So, last year, after starting off well, the you know, the organisers have sort of made more investments
0: into into, uh, infrastructure and we're going to see all of that this weekend. Yeah, there's that. I wonder how, from an operational standpoint, you have a paddock inside a stadium because... They have four major entry and exit points on each corners, yes, to basically take things in and out. But there's, it's, it's going to be like a riot properly heading into one of the sessions. And imagine a driver sitting in there. It's not going to be a motorhome now, is it, Kunal, at this point in time? So imagine a driver wanting to get out from the paddock into the car the kind of fanfare and the Furo that that'll create is just going to be mental to watch, which is, I think, another thing that people are going to be cribbing about. But let's also not forget, this could be the one race, canal where we could see Alpine CEO Laura Rossi again wearing that atrocious combination of a purple and blue jersey with a suit on top of it. Have you ever seen anyone wear anything as atrocious? It's you know, just
1: I have to admit... I've heard Laura Rossi speak several times, but if he was to walk in front of me now, I will recognize him only if he's in that outfit you described, right? <laughs> Alpine, to me, is still in my head, Cyril Uh, you know, to an extent, even uh, Frederick Wasseur, given that he was there several years ago, and now Otmar Sofnauer, you know? And maybe sometimes I think of Fernando Alonso and he's still in Alpine Colours for me. But yes. okay, that, that's to do with Alpine. They have been, they were wanting to catch Mercedes and Baku. Let's see if that happens in Miami. I would really love to see them deliver. Uh, they've shown a lot of promise, a lot of pace, just that they've not had a perfect weekend. And it's so strange that you're almost 20% into the season and they still haven't had a perfect weekend. Uh, although... That's just some just, just Alpine way of things to go, and you know another stat which I which I came up with: Pierre Gasly has never scored a race in the United States of America. He's raced there, I think, five times, or in the in the last five starts that he's had there. Four in Austin, one in Miami. No point scored for him out there. And uh, I, 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 I'm going to move on to your favorite driver, Carlos Sainz, because. He's the only driver in the top six in the World Championship who doesn't have a podium finish this year, right? And Carlos Sainz really needs a good weekend after all of that. And of course, Leclerc now on a streak of eight pole positions that he hasn't converted to a win. And I'm pretty sure there's some stat out there which shows which driver had a streak of pole positions that he did not convert to victory back
0: in history. Yeah, that's going to be a stinger. But we know that that's been around for quite a fair bit. Actually, before we go to the stats segment by F1 Stats Crew, who's got some amazing numbers to describe this weekend, there's another interesting quirk that we actually forgot, Kunal. We forgot that thousands of fans will be lining up and trying to buy tickets at a 40% discount, obviously, just so that they can watch Logan Sargent's first ever home race. Exciting prospect, isn't it?
1: I really wonder. Yes, well, yes, home race, of course. (laughs) But I really wonder if they are lining up to watch Mr. Sargent or will they just go there for Hamilton? I still think Hamilton, hands down, is the most popular driver in the United States of America. I could be wrong if our listeners from the United States actually write into us. Uh, via Spotify, etc., or even uh, our social media. Let us know who you think is the most popular driver in, in the United States of
0: America. It's Logan Sargent, without a doubt, Kunal. That's what F1 would like you to believe. He's the hero. He's the one who saves the market and kind of like uh, Bruce Willis in a Die Hard movie. He's the one who comes in, saves the day on top of a helicopter, shoots some people with a. It's kind of ridiculous how they want Logan Sargent to be the face of everything, but the performances are. Let's just say they're getting there, right? Yeah, they're getting there. I mean,
1: he got into Q2. But one of my favorite stats in qualifying, all 20 drivers have progressed to Q2 at least once this season. And I think that's fantastic. Just the way in just the first three races, all 10 teams scored points. I think this is very brag-worthy for Formula 1 and the quality of drivers that are there, that all 20 drivers have progressed into Q2, which means, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's... It's an impressive stat. I don't know when last this happened or if this happened at all last year for that matter or how many races it took for that to happen. But there are going to be 534 points available this weekend. Uh, The first opportunity or first of several for Checo Perez to score back-to-back wins and the fact that this is half a street circuit might just, you know, make the odds fall in his favor a little more. And, of course, uh, Max Verstappen has won the last three Grand Prix uh, held in America, which was Austin in 2021 and 2022, and then Miami last year. So he's always up against Max Verstappen and his impressive stats.
0: And this weekend, I am genuinely so intrigued to see what the pace is like because we've been talking about this literally from the start of the year. Oh, the pace between Checo and Max is so close. The pace between them is so amazing. But remember, I think. Uh, Nityanand, F1 Fanatic, that's how you can find him on Twitter, at F1 underscore Fanatic. He undercovered a graph that showcased the pace delta between Checo and Max on race day. And it was under a tenth of a second. But that, canal was because Max was nursing an issue with his car that he came on the radio to talk about. So... Is it something that's genuinely there? Are they so closely matched on pace? Because last year, we saw Max run away with it. Checo couldn't quite cope up. Uh, In terms of the Miami GP and the championship. So, this intra-team battle will progress. But we'll come back to that in a second. Because now, it's time for F1 Stats Guru's Stats Preview. Let's listen in.
2: Hey folks, it's time to do the stats preview of the Miami Grand Prix, the first of three races in the United States of America this year. My name is Sundaram, also known as the F1 Stats Guru. What are we waiting for? Let's get straight into the numbers. Now, like I mentioned, it's going to be three races in the United States this year, Miami, Texas, and Las Vegas towards the end of the season, which gives Logan Sargent the opportunity to have three home races this season. That too in his first year in Formula 1. It's just going to be great to see how many people turn up in support of their local boy this weekend. And it's happened actually two other times in Formula 1 as well. Eddie Cheever in 1982 also had three races in the United States that year. And Antonio Giovanazzi in 2020 when we had three races in Italy. The other interesting point is whenever this has happened, the local boy has scored points in one of the home races. So it's going to be interesting to see if Logan Sargent can do that as well this year. But the other point is the last American to score points at Formula 1 was Michael Andretti in 1993. 30 years ago and we've still not seen an American score in a Formula 1 race. Can Logan change that? We'll have to wait and watch. But let's talk about recent form. Max Verstappen has won the last three races in the United States And Red Bull have won the last eight street races going back to last year's Miami Grand Prix. Yeah, Miami is considered a partial street circuit and not really a full one. But can Red Bull make it nine in a row? I'm very, very excited to see if some of the team can spring a surprise and end that streak. Can it be an Aston Martin for a change? Because Fernando Alonso has been tremendous this year. Or maybe can we see a McLaren on the podium? They really seem to improve in Baku the last time out. Or can we see an Alpine on the podium? Perhaps not, because in the last nine races in the USA, no other team apart from Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull have ever stood on the podium. But the last stat of the day is that Ferrari are currently on 799 podiums in Formula 1, thanks to Charles Leclerc's P3 finish at Baku. And if he can take one more podium this time out, or if it could be Carlos Sainz, they'll become the first team to hit 800 podiums in this sport. Well, that was the stats preview of the Miami Grand Prix. I hope you folks enjoyed it. For more such interesting stats and facts, do follow me on my Instagram and Twitter under the name f one Stats Guru. I'll see you folks very soon.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Inside Line F1 podcast. And let's pick up, essentially, on the championship battle, whatever little we have of it so far, Kunal, because there is, I think, only a handful of points separating Max and Chekho. I don't quite have the exact number on my hand at the moment in time, but... Do you reckon this could be a race where Sergio Perez finally has a chance of sorts? Because for me, that's the one big thing that really needs to be kept in mind for all from a viewing perspective this time out. Whether we have close racing or not, that's subjective. I think Formula One cars are still struggling with it to put up a good show. But can Sergio Perez somehow just get ahead in qualifying? Because so far we've seen that is the golden advantage between the two drivers in, uh, in the season in terms of the main race.
1: And, you know, like we've been saying, everybody's been saying, and Nityanand's graph also shows, Perez has been closer to Max this season than in any of the seasons before, right? So, we will be interesting to see. I'd love to see a battle actually keep brewing. It's, you know, last couple of seasons, it's brewed for five, seven, eight races and then sort of underbrewed itself or just faded away Uh, for 2023, for Formula One. For all of us, I would love to see Checo keep himself in the battle You know, like I said a few days ago, when we spoke uh, for uh, in the Baku review, there is something about Checo. You know, every time he performs, that Max doesn't like, and I like that side of Checo, and I like the fact that somebody like Checo, who almost didn't have a seat just before he joined Red Bull, is able to, you know, tickle Max Verstappen a little bit here and there. But Max and Leclerc actually (laughs) were standing in the wrong places on the podium. Uh, last oh, weekend really? in Azerbaijan. Yeah, they, they actually inverse positions and that probably could just be because Max is so used to standing on the top step that if he's not on the top step, he's just like, mate, I, where do I, I'll just stand. I know it's not the top step. And in the case of Leclerc, <laughs> it could just be that, hey, I'm on the podium, but I know it's not the top step. Whichever side of it, I'll take. I'll just take it. So it was just a question of that, I guess. So <clears throat> I hope they get it right uh, this time, assuming that uh, the two drivers are on the podium and uh, i'm going to also go back to qualifying something that uh, i've noticed nico hulkenberg is yet to be out qualified by kevin Magnussen. and i again you know last year there was such a hype about Magnussen beating schumacher and everything that he did and then now nico's come back after a three-year break and suddenly he's got the measure of Magnussen. and wow I, I like that i like that battle as well and uh Two more odd things to look out for. This race starts at 30 minutes past the hour. Not for you uh, so much so, Somil. It'll be at the start <laughs> of the hour on the Indian time zone. Yep. Uh, but for a lot of other markets, it's 30 minutes past the hour. I don't know why. Uh, but also sticking to different time. In Baku, the pit lane actually opened 10 minutes earlier than scheduled. Usually it opens 20 minutes past the hour. This time it opened 10 minutes past the hour. No explanation given. So, I don't know what's going to be the drill this weekend. I haven't really checked, to be honest. But, yes. Oh, just no. I me. think
0: I think it was for those announcements, Kunal. That's what F1 said. Because they wanted 10 extra minutes at the start of the Grand Prix. So, that they could have some sort of fun announcements. Like the one that we did at the start of this episode. So, yeah. that's what... But they but did
1: it, that in Baku. Although, I don't know if I heard
0: any of these announcements in Baku. Maybe they were just doing a dress rehearsal. Exactly. So, the for- Formula 1 essentially said, we're going to have 10 minutes extra as a part of the GP routine every time, but there are select events where they're going to do these announcements. And I think that's fair. Let's let's actually maintain that charm. As stupid as these announcements might sound, I think we need them, not just announcements, but also theme songs for drivers as well. So let's just, if we're doing it, we might as well do it correctly. But that can also be set for our predictions. And uh, for the race win, Kunal, I'm actually going for Sergio Perez. But what I'm genuinely curious to know from your end is who gets best of the rest? Because I am properly confused between Charles Leclerc and Fernando Alonso to the point that I'm going to do what Red Bull Racing nearly and uh, not nearly what actually, what they actually did at the end of the Baku GP fence leaning or fence standing, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that was a great loophole they found. They said their feet were on the ground when they went over the fence. That's what Christian Homer said. Not bad. I- I'm a little surprised you haven't picked Carlos Sainz. It seems like you're going the Ferrari way, just that you're doing it publicly, which is losing some hope on Carlos Sainz and his ability to drive good races. Again, sorry for all the Sainz fans out there. I get the feeling the best of the rest is going to be back to Fernando Alonso. Um again, I'll give a very technical reason for this, you know, so good mechanical grip and, you know, good traction from corner exits, especially low speed, low speed corners is very important out here. And we've spoken of how, you know, is the low to medium speed corners where drivers can actually make up a lot of lap time? And guess who's really good at that? Mr. 40 plus Fernando Alonso, right? So let's see how, how that goes. But every race in 2023 has seen the occurrence of at least... Either a safety car or a virtual safety car intervention. This should end up being one stopper. Uh, is that that's what everybody is guessing? But I hope that you know we get some sort of intervention where somebody is able to switch to different strategies, do some attacks. Otherwise, if we get another boring race, the only upside this weekend, sawmill is going to be we're going to have one boring race and not
0: two. Oh, that was an attack on the Baku GP. But hey, for all of you doubting the circuit, remember, Baku in 2016 also had a terrible first race, like Miami. I think if you remember anything from Miami last year, you're a legend and you're a proper hardcore Formula One fan. But in the second year, things get better, don't they? Let's hope so, because, uh, you know, since we say it's a crib
1: view that we end up giving, I expect a lot of media and partner activities for the teams and drivers to be a part of. And at least at one point, one of the 20 drivers is going to let it slip and be like, oh, my goodness, it's a very busy weekend, even off track and just crib about the fact that they are so busy meeting people who are actually paying uh, the sport to put up the show because of all the celebrities, all the media partners, sponsors, all the activities. Ford, I'm sure, will be doing something. Oracle and Cognizant and lots of these American brands that have sort of come into into Formula One. So I'm I'm pretty interested to see which driver actually ends up being the cribster when it comes to this. And uh, finally, Samuel, the last year when the Miami Grand Prix happened, you know when FIA has the the time. Uh, you know each light on the start grid just before the start of the race indicates how much time it is left to the start of the formation lap, and by a certain number of lights, everybody on the grid, including mechanics and team principals and media and including guests, have to leave the grid. And last year, I remember I was really nervous because there were so many people on the start grid. It was like a fish market, right? But there were so many people on the start grid, I was almost like, oh my goodness, there is no way you are clearing that crowd in record time. And that's a record that Formula One actually put out. They cleared that in record time.
0: That's where you need Esteban Ocon to come through and make sure that everyone else flees away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no more pit lane infringements, I hope, with all the extra
1: fans and guests that are going to be there on the grid you know no definitely
0: definitely not but uh, i think really it's going to be such a fun weekend all around it's just proper showbiz all the way through and that's what we love miami for and if you're attending this weekend please do reach out to us on social media we'd love to know your stories of what it's like attending that race on the ground as well so you can check out our social media handles by clicking the description uh, of this episode down below and also folks thank you for listening and yeah good episode I think it's it's let's hope the race is just about as fun as the kind of fun that we had on this episode tonight.
1: and we are going to get one of the most experienced American Formula One commentators Bob Varsha to share his stories from the 2023 Miami Grand Prix in the week after Miami so within you know in about seven days from now which is say by Tuesday or by Thursday of the week after Miami Bob Barsha is going to be here himself narrating some of his best stories from the paddock from the media center of the Miami Grand Prix his interactions with teams and drivers and the like so we're going to have the most famous American name in motorsport send us his story so you guys are and girls are more than welcome to share your stories as well
0: And in case you do meet Mr. Varsha at the Miami GP, just say hello, because my word, what a broadcaster he is. So many incredible stories and such a way of narrating them as well. So there's so much to do at the Miami GP weekend. If you're there, we'd love to know your experiences. But if you reach this point, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we shall be back with the Miami GP review on Monday. Bye-bye.